Hello, and welcome back to Low Definition, the game show podcast that takes the saying, always leave them wanting more to its logical extreme. I'm your host, Steve Lutz, and I'm tanned, rested, and ready to burn a couple of otherwise productive hours on dumb words and even dumber definitions. Ironically enough, those dumb definitions will be issuing forth from these six very smart people. First up is Tiff Arment, who is joining us for like the 6,000th time. But I think since it's been over a year, she might technically be a virgin again. I don't know. Is that the way it works, Tiff? That is how it works. It uh, it grows back rough hewn this time. <laughs> I don't want to know what it refers to in that sentence, but we'll move right <laughs> along. Shh, listen. Do you hear that? It sounds like the distant, thunderous hoofbeats of approaching ruin. That must mean Glenn Fleischman is here. Hello, Glenn. Hello, I've brought a uh, an older, less tasty version of myself along too as a backup. Ew, that uh, that's more than I wanted to know. Let's move on to the next uh, next player, Shelly Brisbane, who made her maiden maiden voyage on the good ship Low Def last episode, and now she's here again, which means that she's passed the test, or more likely failed it. Welcome back, Shelly. Thanks, Steve. I've been hey, I was going to say sexed in. Oh, I just said it, didn't I? Oh well. Oh, anyway, my. here I am. <sighs> wow. <laughs> I'm not sure we should even continue, but we will. Uh, speaking of maidens, and I should clarify that I mean the third form of the word listed in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, namely a horse that has never won a race. Please welcome Lex Friedman to the show. Welcome to the show, Lex Friedman. Yay. I'm the one with an E in my last name. Oh, <laughs> that's you. That's me. All right. Well, let's move on to somebody who... De- wait. He does. Never mind. Jason Snell has won some races in his time. Most recently back in... Let's see. Let me check my notes. Does it go back that far? It says here, episode two. Episode two. (laughs) Well, let's see if his cunning long game of failing repeatedly so it will be all the sweeter when he eventually retakes his crown will pay off in this episode 23. Hi there, Jason. Hi, Steve. You know, it, it seemed like when you uh, when the court handed down that 13 month ban of you hosting low definition, like it was going to take forever, but it just flew by. Yeah, it really did. Um, and here we are. Fantastic. And our caboose today is Kelly Gamont, who in her low def career has a win rate of 50 percent and frankly seems quite smug about it. Greetings, Kelly. <laughs> I was told to lord that over anyone at every available opportunity. So I thought that's just what came with having a 500 batting average. It does. No? It does. Well, I assume so. Nobody else has done it previously. So I've never lost, Steve. That's a good I point. Don't... Oh, by the way, those players were introduced in order of play as oh, determined no. by random.org. 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 We bring the random to you. That's its theme song. Get it out of your systems. That's good. (laughs) Random.org. What a beautiful face I have found in this place that is circling all around the sun. Random.org. Oh, I'm sorry. It looks like I've accidentally read the ad copy for Mangum.org. I will strive to do better in the future. (laughs) All right. That's out of the way. Wow. Now's the part of the show where we explain the rules of our little game, and they go a little like this. Let me tell you about a game that we call Low Def. You can play if you're a pilot or a tanner or a chef or a cabbage cultivator or an artisan who bakes brown bread. Now, at the start of each round, I'm going to introduce a word. 29 times out of 30, it's a word you never heard, like parasailing lingo or a gerund from a language long dead. 
You're going to craft a definition and then send it on to me. If it's the proper definition, you will score points three. But if you don't know the meaning, you should make one up that sounds kind of true. Because next you're going to get to guess which answer is really real. And if you guess the definition, then two points you're going to steal. But if someone guesses yours, you get one point, And that's pretty good, too. Now, before we play the game, I got to tell you one more thing. If nobody guesses rightly, I got news that's going to sting. Because the host will score five. And that's the fact that just might jeopardize your mission. Five by four is twenty, that's a thing I learned in school, and you need eighteen to win, I don't know why, but that's the rule. But if you can get there first, you're guaranteed to win at low definition. <laughs> Took thirteen months to write that. <laughs> or I was like, that's what you've been doing with your time. <laughs> alternatively, thirty minutes this morning. Wow. And I think wow. it shows. Alright, who's ready to play? Mm. Uh, Lex Friedman Absolutely is ready. Not. Me. Let's go. All right. the the e. Lex Friedman is ready. I'm happy you were able to, to get all of the rules you needed for that from that, uh, that little ditty. It's so catchy. <clears> I have <throat> it in my head now. Alright, let's play low definition. As is our tradition, we begin with round one. Are you still so rhyming? I, so I hope y'all are fixing for a little bit of fun. <laughs> oh no! I'm afraid. And the word for round one is this. Delope. Delope. That's spelled D-E-L-O-P-E. Delope. Please send me your definitions for the word delope. Now. Oh, spreadsheet, how I've missed you. Spreadsheet probably doesn't rhyme, but you do. Well, I think I could bend it into shape if I had to. Okay, the answers are coming in. I remember how this works. All of the answers are in for the word delope. I will now read them, and uh, then you will each have the opportunity to figure out which one is the real definition. Delope. One. Changing one's pace from a fast run to a slow trot. Two. To remove an eye, usually in a surgical procedure. <laughs> usually. Usually. <laughs> usually. <laughs> but otherwise. Three. To tear pages out of a book. Four. The name for the plastic or metal around the ends of a cable. Five. To transition from a walking pace to an extremely slow pace. Six, to shoot into the air during a duel in order to deliberately miss one's opponent. Or seven, the act of exiting a horse-drawn carriage. Those are your options for the word delope. And the first to get to guess is Tiff. Um, I'm going to go with the shooting in the air definition. Okay. Pew pew. Sounds good. All right. I shot a bullet into the air. It fell somewhere. I don't know where. All right, Glenn, you are next. I think uh, someone's trying to introduce Stiglitz this early, and so I'm going to not reward them. And I'm going to go according to my type, which is choose tear page out, because I got no clues. Okay. All right. Uh, next up is Shelly. I'm also going with shoot in the air. Okay. <laughs> how we play this game yeah random shots in the air next up is lex i thought exiting from a carriage deserved a look but instead i'm going with tearing pages out of a book oh boy oh no 
Oh, Were no. we supposed to I, see I, what you started? Mistake. It's spreading. All right, next up is Jason. I am not going to throw away my shot, so I'll choose removing an eye. Usually. Usually, surgically. Usually. In a surgical procedure. Just gotcha. beautiful, beautiful composition. All right, and bringing up the rear is Kelly. All right, Team Caboose mm-hmm. weighs in with, um, I'm going with the book. Hey, take a look. It's in a book. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Thanks, Lamar. You've been lied to. <laughs> all right. All the answers are in. So let's see how that all went down. Jason thought that Delope might be to remove an eye, usually in a surgical <laughs> procedure. <laughs> Sometimes not. Uh, that actually was Lex's answer. So Woo-hoo! Lex is on the board. It's very Lex nice. is playing Dan in this episode. Yes. Yes. Lex, <laughs> usually surgically I, Friedman. Yes. I, I knew someone wrote that one, but it was beautifully written. I really appreciate that. Meanwhile, Glenn, Lex, and Kelly all Uh-oh. thought that to delope might be to tear pages out of a book. That came from Tiff's book, and oh, that was her, that was her second definition. She panicked after the first one and wrote that at the last second and got you all. So good job, Tiff. Oh. <laughs> oh. Second time's a charm. Speaking of Tiff, <laughs> she and Shelly both thought that to delope was to shoot into the air during a duel in order to deliberately miss one's opponent. And they are both correct. That is Yay! the correct definition. Oh, I almost did that. So Give me throwing those away bad my points. shot. That is to throw away your shot. Exactly right. Yeah, oh. Is the game basically over now? Did Tiff already win? Is that what well, I excuse me. Ex- yeah, well, she has more. That's right. Sorry. I was no. There's the crazy round, so don't worry. <laughs> Tiff has five oh, yeah. points already. Yes. Tiff has yes. moved into a firm lead already with five points. Shelly is uh, she's in second with two. Lex has one point. He's in third. Everybody else has nothing. But, you know, it's just round one, people. And we got a long ways to go. I thought I always had you, Steve. Mm. No, you lots off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, Let's move on to round two, where our word is a listener word. Woo! Woo! Thanks, listener. This uh, this listener word was provided to us by listener Will, who I believe might also be occasional total party kill player, Will. Mm. And the word that listener Will has supplied us is... Rumbledy thumps. Excellent. <laughs> uh, love it. Rumbledy thumps. It's spelled basically like you might expect. R-U-M-B-L-E-D-E-T-H-U-M-P-S. Rumbledy thumps. If I ever get a cat, I'm naming it this. <laughs> <laughs> and I... Too soon. Yeah. Dun dun, Sorry, dun, dun 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 I was think picturing the musical cats actually. <laughs> there's Rum Tum Tugger and Rumbledy and there's Macavity oh, and there's Rumbledy Thumps. <laughs> Before we get all weepy, I do need to exhort you all to please send me your definitions for oh, the yeah, that. Rumbledy Thumps. Rumbledy Thumps. And so quickly become Rumbledy Dumps. Dumps. <laughs> thumps. Yeah, I just had Taco Bell today. Please don't start talking about Rumble the Dumps. <laughs> That's you get from Taco Bell. Rumble Dumps. The Rumble D Dumps. Oh, no. <laughs> all right, all of the definitions are in for the round two word, which was Rumble D Thumps. And hard as it is to believe, two people came up with answers that were very similar. So I have coalesced them into one as best I could and if somebody guesses that uh, definition each will get points so that's the way these things work 
All right, I will now read you the definitions for rumbly thumps. One, an Austrian liqueur created to compete with Jägermeister in the college demographic. <laughs> Two, a person unable to tell when they cannot be heard. Three, a Scottish dish made from potato, cabbage, and onion. Four, loud confrontations in which young men threaten to fight, but never do. <laughs> Five, the onomatopoetic term for the sound of carriages traveling over cobblestone streets, which can also be used to reference the nausea induced by such carriage rides. <laughs> Or six, a variety of rose grown in Europe dating back to the Roman Empire. Those are your options for the word rumbly thumps. And the first to get to decide which one is real is Glenn. Well, hello there. Hi, Glenn. Uh, can you read the Scottish one again? Scottish one. It is a Scottish dish made from potato, cabbage, and onion. That I'm going to take that answer. I'm also going to make that after we're done this year for dinner. Mm, sounds delicious. I love a good steaming bowl of rumble stuff <laughs> in the evening. Honey, we're having rumble oh. for dinner. Next up is Shelly. I believe I'm also going to take the Scottish dish, not making oh, it afterward, boy. however. Okay. <laughs> well, never say never. Lex, you're up. The Scottish dish was was uh, convincing prose, it's, but the I'm Scottish going dish with... was convincing prose. You're right? <laughs> yes, it was. But, but I'm I'm going with the European rose. You interrupted okay. my rhyme, but it's fine. The listener can oh, take no. this exercise oh. and put it back together. It's fine. So you're still going European. You're just taking a slightly different tack. All right, Jason, what do you think? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna spread it out and choose the uh, the. Uh, Onomatopoetic term for carriages, uh, rumbledy thumping around. All right, <laughs> cobblestones it is. Uh, next up is Kelly. Um, I, mm. I'm debating only because Chaos Agent Glenn is over there talking about it being a Scottish dish, so he could be faking. Oh, he was the first to guess too. <laughs> Remember in the very him. first the very first episode of Low Dash Finition, the first round, I picked my own answer once. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my point is made. Good times. Plus the description sounds like most Scottish dishes that are not shortbread. So hmm, I'm going with it. The Scottish dish. Okie dokie. All right. And uh that leaves Tiff. I think I'm, it's between the rows and the streets. Wow, that is deep. I know. <laughs> um, can you read the cobblestone street one, one more time? Sure. <laughs> Roses on the streets. <laughs> when two teenagers threaten to fight in the streets as the carriages roll by, one holding a rose while one eats a dish oh of God. potato, cabbage, and onion. Okay. A, a person from the side of the road tries to <laughs> shout at them, but they cannot be heard, but they are not aware. Oh my God. He takes a drink of an Austrian liqueur. Oh my God. Rumble dee da thumps. Rumble dee thumps. Rumble dee thumps. Rumble dee thumps. Rumble dee thumps. 
It's been a hard week, hasn't it? All right, Tiff, does that help? I'm crying already. I know the answer is clear. I mean, definitely the the cobblestone streets. Rubble, do you know those? Definitely. Well, this was great, but that's all the time we have, folks. So please join us several months from now for the next episode. All right, Tiff, here's your definition asked for so very long ago. <laughs> no, it's okay. I already picked it. We're good. We're good. Oh, you you picked it already? Yeah, yeah. You I'm just sure. went and did it? She yeah, squeaked it out between laughter. Oh, I did. It's too funny. Okay. So the word was rumbly dumps. I'm rumbly thumps. I'm got me doing it now. Rumbly dumps. Stop the thing. The cult of what? Cult of dust? And oh. uh, why don't we start with Glenn, Shelley, and Kelly, attorneys at law, uh, all of whom, <laughs> all of whom believed that the definition of rumbly thumps might be a Scottish dish made from potato, cabbage, and onion. And indeed, that is the definition of uh, rumbly oh, thumps. Oh. I thought that was my first thought, and then I thought, well, too many people have guessed it, so yeah, it, it's <laughs> obviously works. right. So yeah. Uh, Lex, Lex abandoned the Scottish dish and, uh, but stayed in Europe for the variety of rose grown in Europe dating back to the Roman empire. That was actually Kelly's answer. So more points to Kelly there. Well done, Kelly. And that leaves Jason and Tiff, both of whom thought that rumbly thumps might be the onomatopoetic term for the sound of carriages traveling over cobblestone streets, which streets, now I'm doing that too, which can also be used to reference the nausea induced by such carriage oh rides. God. That answer was actually provided by Lex. You're and Dan. Glenn. Come on, Dan. Damn it, Dan. And Glenn, who and wrote. Glenn. The... And Glenn. And oh, what? What? Wait, what? Oh, Dan and Dan, man. <laughs> that sounded very Glenn to me, that answer. It was so answer. similar to what I wrote, Lex. It's hilarious. Glenn wrote the feeling of riding over a cobblestone road, semicolon, used humorously, uh, which, you know, it's a little hard to wow. disentangle that from Lex's answer, so wow. you each get, uh, wow. you each get wow. two points wow. for that. Good job. I resign. Wow. I don't want to be that close to Glenn. Ever <laughs> <laughs> don't Lex so close to me. All right. Wow. That's done interesting things to the scores. Tiff Ooh. is still in the lead, but she didn't move anywhere that round. She still has five points. Glenn and Shelly, meanwhile, are tied for second with four points each. <gasps> what? Tied for fourth with three each is Lex and Kelly. Jason and I, we're in our usual yeah, spot back here chilling. in the starting square. Yep. But hey, a lot of game to go yet. A lot of game board. to go yet. <laughs> so let's move on to round three. You know, words are great, but uh, let's do yeah. something a little different this round. Let's play a game of what I call goof off. No. Are you goof off? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. In this round, I'm going to give you the name of a popular film. All you have to do is tell me the highest rated IMDb goof for that movie. <laughs> In case you're unfamiliar with IMDb goofs, they are written and voted on by users, and they can sometimes be pretty dumb. Uh, IMDb <laughs> helpfully organizes their goofs into categories, and today we're going to pull the top rated goof from the section labeled continuity. By way of example, here is a slightly lower rated continuity goof for this movie. During the final dogfight scene, Maverick fires a missile at a MiG jet. Parenthetically, the missile is launched from behind the MiG jet. And successfully blows off the left wing of the plane. Parenthetically, as viewed from behind the plane. The next scene shows the same MiG in a descending flat spin. However, 
it is clearly the right wing that is missing from the plane. What a goof. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's going to take a really long time to write. I'm just Ag- saying. But I should say, goofs, they aren't always that wordy. Sometimes they are considerably shorter, like this one. First date between Charlie and Maverick. Level of wine and bottle goes down, then up, and down, then up, and then some, before the first drop is poured. <laughs> I still think about the radio station goof that you shared on a previous episode oh, yeah. of the Definition all the time. Yeah. And I hear that mistake made all the time, because they have to be yeah. odd numbers which I learned from you. Right. Wait, so this is just one movie or any movie? Just one movie. Oh, it's Ant-Man, right? Ant-Man. In case you haven't already figured it out, like everybody else, I've got Top Gun fever. So I'd like you to send me the top rated IMDb goof in the continuity category for 1986's Top Gun. Please send me your IMDb goof now. Apparently a war raging in the HVAC community on Reddit about, uh, right now, about the fact that Stranger Things includes out like, like, uh, anachronistic, uh, uh, heat pumps. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, it all comes it's back. raging in the, t- the Reddit comments. Glenn, why does it not surprise me that you keep your finger to the pulse of the HVAC community on Reddit? It's, uh, there's lots of things I have my fingers in. Oh, wait, okay, I'm going to reverse that. Woo! Unsay that. Unsay that. All right, at long last, all of the goofs are in for the continuity category for the film Top Gun from 1986. I will read them now. Number one. During the final dogfight, Iceman's F-14 is hit, resulting in him shutting down an engine. This is now an emergency aircraft needing priority handling and landing ASAP. However, upon returning... Iceman elects to do a single-engine high-speed flyby with Maverick. (sighs) Two. When Goose enters his plane for his final fight, he wears naval insignia on both shoulders. In the air, only one insignia appears on the shoulder nearest to the camera. Three. During the volleyball game, the sun alternates between rising and setting. <laughs> There's Four. a sun in that scene. <laughs> All of those men are sons of somebody. Mm. Four. When Iceman enters the barracks after the big fight, he's wearing two pairs of sunglasses in the first cut, one on his head and one on his face. Throughout the scene, the number and location of sunglasses changes several times. (laughs) Five. Tom Cruise is shown to be taller than many of his co-stars. There's a moment he can be seen standing on a milk crate. Exclamation mark. Six. The military patches on Goose's uniform change repeatedly throughout the film, including one at least once appearing fully upside down, and with occasional appearances of patches from other branches of the armed forces. (laughs) Goof. Oh, man. Or seven. The MiG chased by Maverick is not a Russian MiG, but actually an American F-8 fighter unconvincingly painted to look like a MiG. So those are the goofs, folks. I feel like we nailed the, the tone of I think the you goofs. Did. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. of them. Yep, yep. Very nice. So the first to get to decide amongst those excellent goofs is Shelly. Hmm. 
I'm going to take the uh, Tom Cruise on a milk crate because I feel like that's what people would enjoy responding to. Okie doke. Uh, next up is Lex. Oh, four of these are really good. I can't even rhyme this time. Uh, I will go with uh, needing a priority landing and instead flying by. Okay. All right. That brings us to Jason. I agree with Lex. It is the emergency aircraft needing a priority landing and yet hot dogging it. Oh, boy. Oh, Iceman. <sighs> Gosh, he seems so upstanding, too. Kelly. I'm going with the, the naval patches, but, like, there's only one. Okay. I don't remember what the... Um, but it was really, really close, whoever's this is, between that and the number of sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Which so, sounds like the simultaneously the most and least likely to be an actual goof written on IMDb. So, so wait, is this the military patches change repeatedly, or when he enters the plane, he wears insignia? When he enters but, the plane. Oh, okay. Was, okay. Yeah, was the one I meant. He wears insignia on both shoulders. In the air, only one insignia appears. Mm. Yeah, right? that one. Okay, gotcha. Doesn't right. go upside down, just disappears. Right. Uh, next up is Tiff. Mm, I'm going to, oh, okay. I think it's more about, uh, I'm going to go with the unconvincing MIG. Okay. <laughs> that was the name of my band in college. Unconvincing Mig. They must be Migs. Okay. And uh, that leaves us with Glenn. Oh, hello. Glenn, what nice. thank you? Nice to see you here. Uh, I'm going with volleyball, sun rising and setting. Okay. Sun alternates between rising and setting. I really like that one. I have no idea. So. Okay. Well, why don't we start with that one then, uh, oh, since we were just no. there? Oh. Glenn thought that the top continuity goof was during the volleyball game, the sun alternates between rising and setting. That was actually Kelly's goof. Oh! <laughs> Good job, Kelly. Speaking of Kelly, she thought that when Goose entered his, enters his plane for his final flight, he wears naval insignia on both shoulders. In the air, only one insignia appears on the shoulder nearest to the camera was the correct goof, and that was actually Shelly's. So, point to Shelly for that. <laughs> nice job. Oh, very good. Speaking of Shelley, Shelley thought that Tom Cruise is shown to be taller than many of his co-stars. There is a moment he can be seen standing on a milk crate. Might be the true goof. In fact, the true goof was Tiff. She's the one who came up with that answer. <laughs> it was like bait. I couldn't help but take it. <laughs> yeah. I tried to hook Glenn. He didn't take it, though. Aww. They tried to make Tom Cruise look taller? What a goof. <laughs> <laughs> what a continuity Oops. problem. Whoops. <laughs> Tiff thought that the MiG chased by Maverick is not a Russian MiG, but actually an American F-8 fighter unconvincingly painted to look like a MiG. That was Jason's answer. <laughs> that was the Whoa, perfect, nice. like, Whoa, good. like yeah. jerky tone. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I, I <laughs> so sat there good. adding unconvincingly. unconvincingly. I thought, that, did, that does it. That does it. That, that is the word that I think I think that may be me. true, by the way. I don't think they had any Russian MiGs, so it's all American planes that are pretending to be MiGs. But I, I'm sure the, the aircraft people yeah. are just furious. And I think they only had like two of those, so they had to repurpose yeah. Yeah, several of the. Anyway, uh, and that leaves us with Lex and Jason, both of whom thought the proper continuity goof of the most interest to IMDb users <laughs> was during the final dogfight, Iceman's F-14 is hit, resulting in him shutting down an engine. This is now an emergency aircraft needing priority handling and landing ASAP. However, upon returning, Iceman elects to do a single engine high-speed flyby with Maverick. 
Yes, indeed. That was produced by an IMDb <laughs> user. Oh, <laughs> so long. Oh, I should pick that one. Damn. It was so convincing, I couldn't pick it. Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> now, I question whether that wouldn't fit better under the category of factual errors rather than continuity, which in itself seems like kind of a goof. Ooh, <laughs> what a goof. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. All right, so... Whoa, let's see what happened after that very long round. Uh, Tiff, you're still in the lead. Good job. Yes. You've advanced by one point. You're still up there with six. Uh, but now, behind you, tied for uh, for second with five points each, Shelly and Lex. Woo-hoo. Tied for fourth with four points each, Glenn and Kelly. Jason's right behind him in sixth with three points. I ain't got nothing yet. But uh, <laughs> I got a good feeling about this Rex round. Next, there are this Rex round, sure. This Rex round... <laughs> Which is attorney uh, law? The Scooby Doo round. <laughs> yeah, this is the Scooby Doo round. <laughs> Rex round, Raggy is round four, <laughs> and the word for round four is this: Cali thump. Cali thump. Dot dot d dot dot. Yes, that is spelled C A L L I T H U M P. Cali thump. So much thumps. Very personal. Please send me your definitions for the word calithump. My lovely lady thumps. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Now you broke me. I wasn't broken before, but now I broke it. (laughs) My thump, my thumps. My thump, my thump, my thump. Oh, my God. All of the answers are in for the word Cali thump. And uh, so I will now read them. One, running with your eyes closed. <laughs> Two, a non cancerous boil or cyst, typically on the underside of the foot. Three, a notable natural rock formation, like an arch. Four, a noisy, boisterous band or parade. Five, a vein of a type of rock from a different geographical location within the native rock. Six, a clogged fountain pen. Or seven, a unit of measure used to indicate the volume at which an inorganic material shatters in the face of extreme cold. Those are your options for the word calithump. And our first guesser for this round is Lex Friedman. Steve, despite the fact that I shatter it exactly seven uh, calithumps. We'll test that out later. Oh my God, they're all good. I will go with the fourth, the boisterous band. The boisterous band. All right. That brings us to Jason. I am going to say a vein of a type of rock from a different geographic location. Excellent. Next up is Kelly. Um, it was rock in, in the shape of an arch was the... Mm-hmm. A notable natural rock, rock formation like an arch? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll say that one. You got it. That brings us to Tiff. So suspicious of every single one of these. <laughs> As you should be. They all sound like ones that we would have written. Yeah, I think <laughs> most of them are fakes. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, 
Can you read me the rock one that Jason picked? Mm, sure. A vein of a type of rock from a different geographical location within the native rock. Yeah, that sounds the closest. I'll do that one. Okay. Which brings us to Glenn. Man, I'm going to go for the veiny rock. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Glenn and Tiff have joined me in this vein. Uh-oh. <laughs> Are you going to do a prospector's voice, Jason? Is it time for the prospector's voice? <laughs> I think some of this rock's from a different location. Tarnations. <laughs> All Walter right, Brennan, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> moving on to Shelley. I mostly because I just like the audacity and craft of it. I, I'm going to take the what is probably the horrible, disgusting thing under the foot. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe it's real, but you know. That's a children's book, a children's book from Sesame Street Workshop. <laughs> the horrible, disgusting thing under the foot. Because <laughs> I don't remember the actual words that were used. Maybe a. Rarely is there anything under the foot that's not both horrible and disgusting. So my I'll point, the floor. exactly. What if you step on a dollar and then you lift your foot up? The Have you nice. seen my floors? I... Oh. No. <laughs> All right. So uh, why don't we start with that one? Uh, Shelly thought that Calithump might, what, it does sound like that, actually. That's a good answer. Thank you. It might be a non-cancerous <laughs> boil or cyst, typically on the underside of the foot. And it sounds like a good answer. Because it's Lex's answer, and he's a very smart individual. Well, thank you. <laughs> nice job. Next up is Kelly, who thought that a Calithump might be a notable natural rock formation, like an arch. That was actually from the notable natural Glenn Fleischman. Hello. <laughs> Lex believed that a Calithump might be a noisy, boisterous band or parade. And he was absolutely correct. That is the Ooh, definition for Calithump. Uh-oh. Which leaves uh -oh. us with Jason, Tiff, oh, and no. Glenn, all oh, of whom no. climbed aboard that oh, big no. old veiny rock. <laughs> <laughs> a vein of a type of rock from a different geographical location within the native rock. That's going to make somebody very happy, and that person was just laughing very evilly. So I think we can all guess that Kelly Gamont now has oh, three more good. points. Oh, very convincing. So, Wow. Interesting things are happening to the scoreboard, folks. After oh. four rounds, Lex is now in the lead with eight points. Whoa. Whoa. Target on my back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Kelly's right behind him with seven. Tiff is sort of, uh, she's sort of just holding Pat with six points. She's in third now. Glenn and Shelly are tied for fifth with four each. Uh, Jason also standing Pat with three. I think he's satisfied with that total and will probably stay there for a while. Good number. I know how he operates. So that's where we are, folks. It's a magic um, number. I won't even mention what I'm doing with my zero points. Oh, I just mentioned it. You know so, the game has started, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm aware. I missed the starting gun. <laughs> oh, now he's all cocky because he's up front. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I know, listen to him. All right, let's move on to the next round. Oh, I am already bored of words again. Let's do something a little different this round, huh? Uh, if there's one thing I think we've all learned today, it's that words are dumb. Hmm. But are they as dumb as modern art? Let's find out in a round I call Artsy Fartsy. <laughs> I'm going to give you some background on a modern art installation, and I want you to tell me just exactly what that installation is. For instance, we've previously featured the 2013 New York Museum of Modern Art installation titled The Maybe. Had you gone to see that piece, you would have experienced a large glass box in the museum's lobby containing Tilda Swinton taking a nap. <laughs> so, 
Our art installation for today was created by Damien Hurst in 1991 for a total cost of 50,000 pounds. It was originally displayed in London's Saatchi Gallery in 1992, then took up residence in St. John's Wood, North London. Uh, for this and other contemporaneous creations, Hearst was nominated for the prestigious Turner Prize, but lost out to Grenville Davy for his visionary work, Hal, which looks like two reddish-brown trash cans turned upside down. <laughs> but we're focused on Mr. Hearst's piece here, and that piece is titled... The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. That's spelled T-H-E. <laughs> All right, I think you get it. In, in what form do you want the answer? Uh, it's something along the lines of a large glass box in the museum's lobby containing Tilda Swinton <laughs> taking a nap. Well, I'll just type that in. Thank you very much. Or something, you know, along those lines. If you you want to get more detailed, that's fine, too. All right. All of the art installations have been crafted. They are being installed now at whatever weird-ass museum. low-definition gallery. We've all gotten grants of 50,000 pounds apiece. (laughs) And they're going in. And I am making a note to myself not to play this round when Glenn, who is a 10, Sorry. is in, uh, in the audience because he has given me the first oh. sad oh. face in my, my spreadsheet. Oh, Glenn's, uh, well, it's not 100% correct here, Glenn, but there's enough here for me to, to know that you oh, know great. what's up. Okay. So, uh, Make my mouth shut. That is unheard of. Whoa. Wow. We did it, Everybody everyone. Well, right on the date and time yeah, immediately. Need to wait a little while and see if it in fact happens. Okay, so the title of the piece again was The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. And it was one of these six things. One, a room filled with piles of sand of various sizes illuminated by a cool blue light. <laughs> A Peugeot car on blocks, having been set on fire, completely damaged inside and out, except for the rearview mirror. 3. A granite headstone inscribed with illegible characters, suspended above a large square of sod, and attached to 500 helium balloons. 4. A motorcycle and rider mounted so that it appears to be in midair, positioned over an expanse of water that includes large rock outcroppings. 5. A collection of 1,500 Tupperware containers and Ziploc bags filled with leftovers at varying levels of decay, (laughs) all encased in a solid steel cooler lacking ice. Or 6. A glass tank containing a dead tiger shark submerged in formaldehyde. And those are all your options for the physical impossibility of death in the mind of someone living. I'm sure one of those descriptions <laughs> really, uh, you know, kind of makes you think of that phrase. So uh, let's find out which one it is. Jason, you're up first. Oh, boy. I think it's interesting that we have two f- suspended items hmm. and we have two um, vehicle items. Interesting. Wonder. What's going on there? Um, several people who are recording this podcast from inside their cars. It's going over a job. Apparently, I I have no idea, 
And I have to admit, the first thing I thought of when you read this out was a burned out car. So I'm going to go with the burned out Peugeot. Okay. <laughs> he said, perusing the last leftovers at the used car lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next up is Kelly Gamont. I feel like it was the most weird thing, but the least weird definition of it. So I'm going with the Shark Tank. Shark Tank. Okay. That brings us to Tiff. I really want to talk about this after this is all done, but I'm going Shark (laughs) Tank. Okay. Next we've got, not Glenn, because he ruined everything. (laughs) So we move on to Shelly. I'm going with Piles of Sand. Okay. Piles of Sand and that cool blue light. And that means last up is Lex. I don't like to take these things for granted, but I'm going to go with the granite headstone. Okay. And assume I'm wrong. (laughs) All righty. Well, that means all of the answers are in. Glenn, of course, didn't get an answer because he gets three points for knowing what this was, sort of. So let's start with uh, Shelly, who thought that, I'm not even going to say the title again, it's too long. But he thought that it was, or she thought that it was a room filled with piles of sand of various sizes illuminated by a cool blue light. That answer was actually written by a cool blue tiff. So, <laughs> points to her. Cool, 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 cool. And she's definitely blue. Tiff is the, is the shade of cool, blue cool, 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 or is it just such a cool blue? It's no, so it's, cool. It's so cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she's blue in the sense that she nasty. All right, Jason. Yes, see what? Well, uh, you thought that this art installation was a Peugeot on blocks, having been set on fire, completely damaged inside and out, except for the rearview mirror. I believe if you look in that rearview mirror, you'll see Kelly's eyes looking back at you. (laughs) What I love is that I had that thought, so I want to give some points to the person who had the first thought that I had, too. Good deal. Burned out car. Don't feel too bad, though, because Lex thought that it was a granite headstone inscribed to the legible characters suspended above a large square of sod and attached to 500 helium balloons. And that was Jason's answer. So, you know. Please come nice. see my artwork somewhere, because t- Kelly says it's real weird. You're my damn, Jason. <laughs> Coincidentally, $8 million. That's 90 minutes of exactly that is, uh, is the plot line of Up 2. <laughs> oh! Whoa! Ow! That leaves us with Kelly and Tiff, both of whom thought this art installation consisted of a glass tank containing a dead tiger shark submerged in formaldehyde. And they were exactly right. That is the content of this art installation. I'm very angry oh, that your example my. was a glass box and the right answer was a well, glass box. That, no, that might tip mad. things up. I promise Glenn? you I do, have, I do have art installations that are not a box with something in it, but I uh, thought maybe somebody might be tripped up by that. So I was Glenn, I'm so yep. mad. Wait, wait, wait. I, when I asked how, who, what people knew about art, when I asked that, I was totally going to type this stupid shark installation but i saw it in new york and i was curious if i put it out there uh it was if it was going to be the wrong oh, thing and someone actually so knew sweet. what the war was but so i knew it sweet. i knew it i'm so bad <laughs> to, to be fair glenn's answer was an embalmed shark in a glass case cut in half suspended in a transparent medium with the cut oh, half it wasn't of the cut in half it was full. pressed up against one of the glass panes and glenn i believe the piece that you are thinking of there is Death explained. Mother and child divided. It's a cow. That's a mother and bisected. child is a cow and calf. Yeah, I should. Yeah, so I that's should where mention, baby shark comes from. 
I cannot believe I was going yeah. to type this answer. Like that should be mentioned that uh, <gasps> Damien Hurst has since submerged a variety of other creatures as <clears throat> art, including <laughs> several additional sharks, a cow and calf, a sheep, and a dove in flight. Uh, he also crafted a scaled-down version of this piece for the Netherlands Miniature Museum, which was a small box containing formaldehyde and a guppy. <laughs> oh, neat! Awesome. <laughs> And who knows, maybe someday Mr. Hurst will provide us the opportunity to enjoy Tilda Swinton in perpetuity. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't put her in formaldehyde. No. Well, you know, later, after, after, after. So anyway, that was fun, in a manner of speaking. (laughs) So fun. And after round five, uh, we have Kelly in the lead with 10 points. Wow, Kelly, good job. Tiff is very close behind her, though. She's in second with nine. Tied for third with eight points each are Glenn and Lex. Uh, Shelly is currently in fifth with five points. Jason is in sixth with four. I'm just, you know, hanging out here at the beginning. Still anybody's game, yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to... What's this? It's round what? six. Why? Huh? It's the crazy no! round! No! No! Crazy yeah, it's the crazy round in, in which anything could happen. Uh, and the word for this crazy round is furahin. Furahin. That's spelled F-U-R-R-A-H-I-N. Furahin. Please send me your definitions for the word furahin now. I'm not a 10 on the furahin scale, so that's okay. Good. Tired of these smiley faces in my spreadsheet i don't know Frowning i could have played the last round say. better if i'd not give you the right answer and then but then i would have had to come up with a convincing answer which is not necessarily my best ability yeah how so. many points do you get for a right answer three three but meaning you could conceivably if you knew the answer score more points if you also made up a really good answer yeah right but, but that's me so probably not yeah i mean it's, <laughs> it's a risk okay all of the answers are in for the word Furahin. I will now read them, and then you will get to guess. One. A loud argument. Two. The right-hand hindmost horse of a four-horse team. Three. A kind of crisp, yeasted bread, popular primarily in Jordan and Oman. After rising, the dough is pounded flat. The baker spreads silvered, slivered garlic, I'm sorry, on top, and it is baked at high temperature in a tandoor oven. Four. The nickname for a variety of hedgehog that only lives on the Isle of Man, off the coast of England. Five. Wigs made for dogs. <laughs> Six. <laughs> The animal closest to the driver in a dog sled team. Or seven. The slowest or least traveled ball in a game of croquet. And those are your available definitions for the word, which was furahin. And Kelly, you're the first to guess. What do you think? Mm. Um, I'm curious why two of them are teams of animals related which is kind of interesting um i'm gonna go with the croquet ball okay it is yours next is tiff 
I was also thinking croquet ball. And I was also curious about all the animals. Can you read the horse one one more time? It's like the back leftist most horse. Sure. The right hand hindmost horse of a four horse team. Um, croquet ball. <laughs> okay. Okay, ball. <laughs> all right. That leads us to Glenn. I'm just going to say I'm suspicious of horse-related answers ever since the incident with Jason Snell in the previous slow definition. Uh, mm. Mm, uh, I like a loud argument. I mean, I generally like it, and I kind of think it has the feel for this. Okay. Were you referring to the Feig incident? Yes! Yes. <laughs> yes. No, yes. Never forget that from word. Feig, <laughs> from Feig fatigue now, but yes. <laughs> All right, moving on to Shelley. I'm going with the horse one because it is either entirely too specific or it's just the right amount of specific. And in this Ooh. point, in this case, I'm going to guess the latter. Okay. Shelly is down for the horses, which brings us to Lex Friedman. I almost submitted one of the other answers and it's really <laughs> bothering me, but I was making it up. So I'm not picking it. I'm oh, choosing the horses for the weird. phrase hindmost horse. Hindmost horse is wait, a great phrase. Wait, okay. if, why would you pick the thing that your subconscious is probably telling you is the right answer though? Cause All I right, made it up fully. I was well, full of so crap. You th so you think. <laughs> okay. Everything's influenced by something. We'll find out. All right. And that leaves Jason Snell. What do you think, Jason? Well, would you like I, to join the group on the horse's ass? Or I'm sorry, the ass end horse? I I think it's really, really suspicious that because the right hand hindmost horse would mean that it was by the driver and the animal closest to the driver and the dog sled team. I'm very suspicious of both of those. I'm going to uh, giddy up. All right, I'm cowboy getting on the horse. All right. You generally want to avoid being the hindmost horse. The view never changes. <laughs> All righty then. Well, let's see what happened there. Let's start with Glenn, who thought that a furry hen might be a loud argument. That was actually uh, Jason's definition, so oh, you two can argue amongst yourselves. Double bluff me. <laughs> I, I put some nice uh, spin on that one for that you, Glenn. Good. That was very All nice. Right. I appreciate that. Kelly and Tiff both were on the slowest or least traveled ball in a game of croquet. That was Alexa's answer. So, ah, oh, right. I got to get to know Alexa's style here because <laughs> least traveled. It was up. just a funny phrase to me, and I yeah. thought that was it. I played croquet. How would they measure that? Like they're like, well, we tested all the balls, and this one is the slowest. Oh, that, one. <laughs> that one was like really that could slow. Be a thing. People who play croquet are bored. Hey, speaking of Lex and Jason. They and Shelley all thought that the Furhin was the right-hand hindmost horse of a four-horse team. And they are absolutely correct. Yes. That is oh! a Furhin. I swear to you, I almost went with a dog. I had an answer about a dog and a dog sled team, and yes. I changed it. Really? That's yeah. Lest, lest you be wondering, that answer came, the answer about the dog sled team came from Shelley, who I'm <laughs> guessing knew something about this or heard about it. I, it was sort of a word construction kind of a thing. Yeah. I, Interesting. It was, a, it was a guess, but it was a sort of an educated one. I had to go Googling to make sure that I did not have a word that had multiple definitions that might right. also apply to dogs, but uh, Google brought up nothing for dog sled fur a hen, So I think, Lex, one more time, and you're telepathic. We have proof on this episode, <laughs> because that's two for two. Two rounds for yeah. two. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's the scoreboard sure supports your theory. Lex now has 12 points. What? He's in first place. Kelly is uh, not too far behind him with 10 in second. Tiff has nine in third. Glenn has eight in fourth. And then look at this. We have a two-way tie for fifth. Jason has moved up and is even with Shelly with seven points. Mm. Not me, though. I'm sucking. This is <laughs> unprecedented. All right, let's move on to round seven. And round seven is another listener round. Oh. This word was provided to us by listener Chris. And the word is sack butt. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, sack butt. (laughs) Spell it. It's spelled sack butt. (laughs) S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-
uh, it's suspicious that there are two musical instruments, but then it's also yeah, it suspicious mm -hmm. that there are lots of tailings and remaining things. I, I really like the long stick. I'm not going to take that. As an artist, I'm not going to take the long painting stick. So I've got a conflict because in my house, I have a spouse who is trained as a horticulturist that makes me want to pick remaining leaves. And I have an elder child who is a trombonist, which makes me want to pick a type of trombone over an oboe. I think in honor of Ben's graduation from high school, woo, I'm going to pick a type of trombone, even if it's wrong. Okay. Got there eventually. Uh, oh, Shelly. Maybe. Despite the fact that it requires my casting my lot with Glenn, I'm also going to go with the trombone. <laughs> uh oh, It's a dangerous game. Always you're I know it. a mistake. Always. Oh, riding the Glenn train. <laughs> so wait, with there's a caboose trombone. on this train somewhere. There's a satellite right, on this train. Well, howdy. Come on the Glenn train. <laughs> Lex, you want to hop aboard the 543 Glenn to Kansas City? No. It's no. so funny that you say this because I'm debating between the instruments, oboe and trombone. And when Glenn said, you know, my kid plays the trombone, I was like, my kid plays the trombone. And my kid doesn't play the trombone. My kid plays the saxophone. What? So I don't know what was wrong with me. You are telepathic, um, as we're saying. I'm... <laughs> Um, I, I will. I will join the trombone train. Okay. I'm wow. so mad. I went first. <laughs> I haven't heard that phrase since my fraternity hazing days. So thanks for bringing back those memories. Trombone zone. If I had known everyone was taking the Glen train, I would have taken the Glen. Oh, <laughs> I can't tell if that's sweet or bad. I'm We're gonna sure. have such a good time, and you're Both. gonna miss out. I know. I'm getting serious FOMO about this Glen train. <laughs> hey, Jason. There's a sleeper car that's open. <laughs> I think Steve is trying to encourage no. us all to take the Glen train sure, now. Why not? Hey, y'all pick the same answer. You miss may potentially miss the real answer. So I am going with the remaining portion of certain plant leaves. Hmm. Hmm. Okay then. And that brings us to Kelly. I was kind of looking at the instruments. It seemed like that might be the right answer and then apparently the Glen train is the craze that's Choo -choo! The show, so i'm gonna take that okay wah, wah, wah. i hope there's a bar car on and, the glen and glenn train. if you could say choo choo again but slower choo oh no 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 too slow too slow no it goes rumbly dumps rumbly dumps rumbly dumps we all get on the glen train it's going really all right all right everybody calm down all the uh the guesses are in um, and, uh, yeah, let's see what happened there. Tiff thought that sack butt might be tailings left over after gold is extracted from a pan <laughs> or sluice by You know, who grew up in a gold oh, rush town, don't you? Know, you activated <laughs> the prospector. <laughs> I knew it. Never picked the prospector. But I got a point for it, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Excellent. Apparently, uh, in that town, they didn't have certain plants I, which leaves I got damaged it. after cutting. Because uh, <laughs> you didn't realize that was Lex's answer. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, he's my Dan. <laughs> Speaking of Lex, he was all aboard the Glen train along oh, with God. Glenn himself, Shelley, and Kelly. <laughs> they all thought that a sack butt might be a type of trombone from the Renaissance and Baroque eras. Hmm. Given that the answer that Glenn submitted was an antiquated term for an oboe, you might think that would be correct. And yes, you would be correct. Yay! Uh, so that didn't work either. Nice. Oh. Uh, I knew it. Oh, Glenn I was trying both, to catch us. I, I tried yeah. both That's ways. 
You know, Glenn, <sighs> if you had gone with a uh, with a brass instrument, I might have given you three points there. Oh, damn it. I might have. Uh, a funny, fun fact, a trombone in Latin is called a tuba. There you go. That fun? No. That no, was super not. fun. Not <laughs> fun at all. Is it called tuba or not tuba? That's the question. Well, that is the well, question. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, let's see what happened there. Um, it appears that after that round, Lex is in striking distance. He has 15 points. Oh, oh. taste it. This game might end the right way, folks. Let's find out what happens in the next round. Kelly is in second with 12. Glenn has 10. Uh, Tiff and Shelly are tied for fourth, nine points each. Jason is close behind with eight. Nothing for me, thanks. Hmm, I'm weird. already full of words <laughs> and points. And other things. All right. Let's move on. Well, I mean, yeah, that's wow. what words and points eventually become. <laughs> and this is probably going to be the last one for me, and then I will, in fact, become a pumpkin. So. Okay. All right. Well, one way or another, we're ending one after this another, round because be I, I see pumpkins on the horizon, mm-hmm. and we don't want that. So uh, Please, God, no art installations that will take us 30 minutes to write up. <laughs> yeah, no, let's not do that. Instead, let's do something I call Goo Complete Me. Yes. Yeah. Ah, there you go. <laughs> this is the round where I type a phrase into Google, and Google's helpful autocomplete algorithm suggests some possibilities for what might be coming next. Your job is to tell me the top suggestion for the phrase I entered. Okay, this this is kind of a weird one. Uh, I was looking through my photo roll the other day, and I found a screenshot of something that I typed into Google at some point. Uh, the thing is, I have no recollection of ever typing this phrase, <laughs> nor do I have any idea what the hell I was trying to search for. Uh, the only thing I know is that according to the metadata, it happened on April 19th, and it happened somewhere in my house, although I don't think that's necessarily relevant. My point is... Don't ask me what this is about, because I do not know. Um, so anyway, I want you to tell me the top autocomplete suggestion I got back when I typed these three words into Google. What does hedgehog... <laughs> Please send me the top autocomplete suggestion for what does hedgehog... And now... This is the most hedgehoggy round of uh, hedgehog. I was so game. pleased to see Kelly's hedgehog related answer two questions ago. Maybe that's what I was asking about. Okay, all of the autocomplete entries are in for the key phrase What does hedgehog? And I have news, everybody. There is a frowny face in my spreadsheet. And it's in the column that starts with the name Alex Friedman, which means that Alex has just won the low definition episode 23. Beginner luck. Wow. It's not exactly right, but it's it's too close to not give it to him. So uh, congrats, Lex. Good job. But let's see if uh, somebody else made a run here at the last minute. Seems highly (laughs) unlikely, but you never know. And and he's going to join him there in the winner's circle. So... What does hedgehog? <laughs> One. What does hedgehog evolve into? <laughs> Two. What does hedgehog sound like? <laughs> Three. What does <the> hedgehog say? <laughs> Three. What does hedgehog wire cost? Four. What does hedgehogs eat? Yes, that's right. <laughs> hedgehogs eat. What does hedgehogs eat? Five. 
what does hedgehog sex sound like? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, that laughter is what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Or six, which might be related to the previous one. What does hedgehog taste like? (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. All right, one of those is, in fact, Holy. the top autocomplete suggestion for the phrase, Holy. what does hedgehog, which means that more people have typed that in to Google than any of the others. So, you know, sorry. Sorry, folks. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's find out uh, what y'all think the real one is. Let's start with Glenn. Huh. Well, I think I'm going to, I can't win. Can't win still playing the game i'm gonna go with evolve into that seems possible okie doke maybe what does hedgehog evolve into you got to do hedgehog evolve into uh let's take shelly next oh let's take me indeed um <laughs> i like evolve into but i don't think google users are that evolved to ask that question mm. i'm uh i'm gonna go for the low-hanging fruit again and uh, do the what does hedgehog sex sound like <laughs> okay <laughs> That brings Apparently us to Lex. Oh, like no, it doesn't fruit. bring us to Lex. That dude's done. He's already parked at Millionaire Acres waiting for everybody else to pull into the poorhouse. <laughs> so, Jason. Uh, I'm going to go with the regular sound. What does hedgehog sound like? What does hedgehog sound like? Uh, that brings us to Kelly. Uh, what does hedgehogs eat? The, the wrong, the, <laughs> the, the badly par- parsing one. Okay. That one. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, last up is Tiff. I'm going to go with the hedgehog sex. <laughs> okay. It, ha- it has to. Like, it's go like, out it's, on it's top. The only, it's the only way it phrased it. Like, it's perfect. So if someone just wrote that, that's perfect. Okay. Well, let's see how that all played out. Uh, Glenn thought that, uh, the top autocomplete suggestion was, what does hedgehog evolve into? That was actually Tiff's suggestion, so... Point it's on a Pokemon. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I thought maybe someone might think it was a Pokemon and type in like, what does that uh, Yeah, it'd be called something like Hodgehog or something. I thought Google like users would be confused and type it. <laughs> exactly. But I, was, I was the one who was confused. Or like a parent is trying to help their, like, figure out something for their kid. What is Hedgehog Sonic Valve into? <laughs> uh, Jason thought that the correct answer might be, what does Hedgehog sound like? That, uh, that sound was actually made by Kelly. <laughs> Very nice. Kelly, speaking of Kelly, uh, she believed that uh, the correct answer was, what does hedgehogs eat? <laughs> and she was absolutely correct. That is, oh, in fact. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. What does hedgehogs eat? Lex, by the way, had entered, what does hedgehog eat? Which, you know, close wow. enough. I think. Wow. Lex, you are telepathic. This proves it. I think it's like Jeopardy do. rules where you can just keep saying, what's, what's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, that brings us to uh, Shelly and Tiff, both of whom went with what does hedgehog sex sound like? A question that was posed, I think, quite seriously by Glenn Fleischman. Yeah, of course it was. There was no doubt <laughs> in my mind that was a Glenn Fleischman answer. Yep. I unfortunately have heard this uh, because it was played on a radio show. I, mm. Don't listen to radio shows. The Glenn radio. Fleischman Radio Hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Featuring Hedgehog Sex. Incidentally, also listed on the uh, the output for Google Autocomplete for what does Hedgehog, what does Hedgehog taste like? Ha! Good one. What does Hedgehog poop look like? Mm. <laughs> what does Hedgehog symbolize? I like that one. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. yeah. And what does Hedgehog mean 
sexually. Oh. <laughs> Which, if I'm being honest, probably is what I was searching. <laughs> By the way, if you type those same words into DuckDuckGo, you get many of these same results, but you also get, what does hedgehog poop look like UK? What's <laughs> different there? So well, there was already a band called What Was Hedgehog Poop Look Like? The lawyers made so they had to Very add nice. the UK on. Oh, yeah, so yeah. British listeners know that this is the sort of thing that Google's algorithm thinks you don't deserve to see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, here's a. That's a. Yeah. Okay. Perfection. So, Congratulations, um, Lex. Yeah, that's where I was going yeah. with that. That uh, regardless of how that all went down, Lex is the winner in the uh, the real way. He got 18 points. Congratulations, Yay! Lex. Hooray! Uh, well done. You won on your first appearance, and now you are banned. So get never out. play again. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not true. Jason won on his first appearance way back in episode 0.1, and yes. then again in episode he two. He just keeps so. sneaking back in. He does. Uh, Kelly ended up with a very respectable 15 points. Not quite enough to cross the finish line, but uh, good enough for bragging rights. Glenn in third with 12 points. Tiff is, uh, is in fourth place with 10. Shelly has nine. She's in fifth. Jason ends up in sixth with eight. I got nothing. That's fine. I enjoyed myself anyway. <laughs> and with that, we've successfully muddled through another episode of Low Definition. I'd like to thank my players, Tiff, Glenn, Shelly, Lex, Jason, and Kelly. Listeners, if you have a weird word or round idea to submit, you can email those to lowdefgs at gmail.com. The GS stands for Geranium Stems. You can also follow us at lowdefgs on Twitter, where we promise not to sully your timeline with any unsightly tweets. Thank you for being here. As always, I have been Steve Lutz, saying, nice sack butt. <laughs>